Welcome to the Agile Strategy Lab podcast, where we explore what it means to view your organization, your company, or your community through the lens of agility to create a strategy that works in a rapidly changing world. I'm Liz Nilsson, the Associate Director of the Lab at the University of North Alabama, and the host for today's episode, number 11. One of the business buzzwords of the last few decades is diversity. We've learned a lot about the impact that diversity has on teams and the value of a diverse workforce for organizations. Usually when we use the word diversity, we're thinking about a set of different categories, gender, ethnicity, culture, age, but there's another dimension of diversity, and it's largely invisible because it's formed in our brains. At the lab, we call it cognitive diversity. Strategic agility requires this kind of diversity. In a dynamic environment, when you don't know exactly what the right path forward is, you need a team with members that approach the world differently. Today's guest, Sebastian Hamers, brings very practical advice to this challenge. Sebastian is a partner and lead for business development at Human Insight, based in the Netherlands. Human Insight has developed a set of tools to help teams work together more effectively, including one called the AEM Cube, which assesses a team's cognitive diversity. Here's Sebastian. Uh, so cognitive diversity is basically within an organizational context, which is interesting to look at. And why is an organizational context that important? Because companies don't build great things. It's basically the people in them. And the most important one there that work nowadays is basically working in groups. So cognitive diversity is the group that you're working with has its own mental model. So the way that I'm thinking is different because the way that I'm uh, I was raised, the normative values I have, I was born in the Netherlands, my parents are both entrepreneurs. So that distilled a way of thinking how I approach complex problems. And for you, for example, is that can be completely different. You've been raised in North America, etc. different constellation. So the most important one of cognitive diversity, what it is, is very simply our mental models that we bring to work and how we approach complex problems and solve them. And so a way of thinking that we um, use when looking at a complex problem, for example. And cognitive diversity is really the one that is, so how diverse are we? And the reason why we want to be diverse is the more diverse you are, the better you are at solving complex problems. So give me a couple of quick profiles of two people who might have very different mental models and how they might approach a complex challenge. Yeah. So we, we have a TV show, which I think you have also in America, which is called Dragon's Den in the US, it's called Shark's Tank. And it's the best one that you can have as an example. So the, the sharks or the dragons, in this case, investors, they're all-time entrepreneurs. And in the room comes a, a startup, an entrepreneur who wants to pitch their idea to the investors. And it's really in these two, um, these two elements, these two people standing over each other that's where the difference are so an entrepreneur is pitching his explorative idea is is um, things that he wants to share with his audience and the interesting thing is well from an investor standpoint is exactly that they're looking at the business model they're looking at okay what's the business metrics i don't care about the guy i want to see how healthy is his business for example 
So they're very more optimizing, more structured, more focusing. How solid is this business? And the entrepreneur is really focusing on, yeah, but I've, I've done this. I've got a nice product. I have some market. He's trying to distill his explorative behavior and see where he can get with his company, of course, and hopefully extract some investment. So it's in these two venture capitalists, for example, or an entrepreneur, they're on two sides of the spectrum. An entrepreneur is always looking at opportunities, chances, etc. And a venture capitalist or a risk advisor or an internal auditor or a financial bank is always looking at the what are the risks? How can I mitigate those risks? I'm going to invest in you. Where's my money going towards? You're saying this, but that's a big hunch. What's the projection and what can you kind of show me that your, your thought process here is right? So these two different um, uh, people on, on either side of the spectrum, we've seen in real life as well. So we've worked with a lot of incubation programs whereby there's a group of startups, really entrepreneurs that want to showcase and pitch their idea to um, basically incubation programs. And what we see there from the groups, two to three startup team members working together, they're all kind of clustered around that explorative, yeah, we're going to go out there, explore the world, we've got a great solution. And on the other side, they're lacking <laughs> a lot of, let's just say, um, they're very risk, what's, what's the right word? They're lacking risk averseness. So venture capitalists that will help them understand, well, this is very risky business, guys. And, um, and these two is very interesting to have that dialogue because in a team, you need that dialogue. We call that the golden dialogue because one, you need somebody who's a very explorative thinking of opportunities, but also kind of the devil's advocate from a mental model and, and diversity standpoint to think, okay, but think it really through. If we're going to do this, that will mean how we're we going to support our customers. What's the delivery expectancy? How do we create um, interactions and, and quality control, et cetera. So that is an interesting balance that we see every day and every uh, with our customers as well, especially also in, in the Netherlands, UK, and US that we work with. So are there certain kinds of uh, organizational uh, challenges or issues where it's more important to have a cognitively diverse team than others? Well, yes, there are. There are kind of key focal areas where this comes into play. It's basically a multi, um, faceted teams that are working on complex problems, like project teams that are focusing on cultural change or st strategy, for example, strategy teams that want to focus on new business developments. And what you see there is that usually within organizations with 100 plus full-time employees, um, from a research standpoint, we see that they recruit for the, for the function. So what I mean with that is they're recruiting for people for a certain job, like internal audits. We want somebody who studied internal audits. Boom, that's, that's a good fit. Um, for example, with financials like banks, et cetera, inadvertently they're uh, recruiting a lot of kind of the same homogeneous group of highly skilled workforce. And you don't have enough diversity. And what I mean with that one is you're recruiting for the job and recruiting for skill sets that fit that job but you're not looking at it from an entire spectrum. So what we see there is that a lot of organizations after a while say, well, we have difficulty innovating or we have difficulty making a change or turnaround. And that's not crazy or strange. It's, it's a good question, but what they've been doing is they've been recruiting people 
much alike each other, that are thinking the same way, hence they're struggling with a couple of things. So where we see that cognitive diversity really fits into the equation, especially in organizations, is strategy, focusing on the future, making tough choices. It's around those project teams tackling cultural strategic choices within the organization. And it's also project teams are focusing on just R&D, for example, research and development of new businesses in adjacent markets or new technology, whereby somebody who doesn't even have the faintest idea of what they're working on could just ask a very good question. How does cognitive diversity connect to strategic doing? Figuring out who is a part of which Pathfinder project, which group constellation and the constellation of skill sets they have as a team is where it fits very well. That's where you've seen, hey, if this group is going to do this output, who are we really going to ask to do it? And let's look at that team as well in the diversity. And are they diverse enough and equipped enough to do it and execute on it? So that's what we've seen where is a kind of a uh, aha moment. <laughs> and also to understand that every project also has kind of its own life cycle. So starting a project with Steve doing is awesome, whereby you can just say, well, this is what we're going to do. Every 30, 30, we're going to come back. But it's, it's growing as well. And the more success you have with strategic doing within an organization, the more people will want to be a part of it. So from there, we saw you have to kind of split out again, the new people going out and coming in to figure out, okay, what's the constellation of those different project team members that are coming in to mitigate, but also help to move your project forward. So that's where we've seen that there is a nice sweet spot. So as new people come into a network, which is what we always talk about, that it's really about networks. As new people come into the network, um, you know, there's a question about what are you interested in and what assets do you have? But there's also a question about what's your cognitive frame and how does that fit in with what we already have? Is there a place where we could really use you because we have a gap? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Execution gap or um, uh, you might not be the right fit at the moment, but please come back when we're a little bit further down the line, if that makes sense. Um, more explorative people have a tendency to be better in the, in the start of things to help kind of take the first steps. And then like a marathon race, figuring out and attracting new people that are more better structures and builders, so to speak. And from there, the, the people that are more optimizing, have more talents to focus on um, creating uh, and taking basically the project to a higher level, which is needed after a certain period of time. I know that when Ed and others at the lab first encountered your work, what was really exciting about it was that uh, it had been clear to us for a long time that people's different mental models played a big part in which teams were able to use strategic doing and other uh, tools that we have um, effectively. But what we didn't have was a way to really measure that. And that's what Human Insight uh, had already done the hard work on and had developed. Uh, through your AEM cube uh, instrument. So can you talk a little bit about what that is and what that does? So with the M cube, uh, we measure three kind of basic constructs that have been thankfully been researched for a lot of decades. So we're not the only one. We're just building on laureate people that have researched this, uh, this uh, free constructs. So one is the attachment theory is, am I more prone to uh, getting energy from working with content or working with other people. So it's that's one of the constructs. 
The other one is, am I more explorative? So it's more explorative behavior going out there or am I more of an optimizer, building, making things concrete, um, making things better, so to speak. And the other one is, how do I manage complexity? We all have a tendency to have a more specialistic viewpoint whereby you're focused on details or more of a helicopter view over, hey, if I do this today, what kind of impact does it have in my ecosystem or in my work or in my, on my team? So the last one is especially um, important because we've done some research, published it in Harvard Business Review as well, whereby the diversity on that managing complexity. So how do you look at certain problems? And how do you solve them? Are you more of a specialist or are you more of a generalist? It's very important to solve these complex problems, to have the right debate or discussion, so to speak. Because if you have too much specialist, you're detail focused and you're kind of stuck in a rut after a while. But that's also the case for too much generalists. They, they're just fluffy talking up in the air and it doesn't really come into really, it doesn't become pragmatic enough. So it's in that debate. And that's basically the construct of the AEM, so Attachment Exploration Managing Complexity. And we created an assessment, which is 48 questions, two-sided, takes about eight to 10 minutes. So we can measure your preferences, your natural preferences on that spectrum. And okay, so you have that data point, so to speak, but it really comes into play when you're working within teams. So you and I, Liz, for example, we're two sides of the spectrum. Um, I'm very explorative, you're more of a uh, I think you're somewhere in the people and somewhere in the middle optimizing side of things. So together we have a, a nice dialogue. It could also mean that, hey, we have a gap. We should have or ask somebody else um, to join us in our conversation, like Ed or somebody else from the strategic building network. And thus you can create your own team to figure out where are gaps, where are our strengths, what possible derailers might we face when taking this concept of project towards the next step. Once you have a group of individuals in a room, you want to know um, what that group of individuals is made out of. It starts with self-assessment. So, hey guys, we're here in a room. What does each of us do? So like an extra added asset is, is also, who am I as a person? What talents do I have to bring into the table? And then it starts with feedback as well. So it's self-assessment and feedback assessment. Hey, we've been working in this project team for a month, two months, three months. Which team members are excelling better in this phase and which are kind of lagging? And why is that? And it's having that debate that is very rich. It, it helps move the team forward and also gets out that, um, well, you're not firing all cylinders, uh, so to speak. What can we do about it? It helps to kind of facilitate that dialogue, which every project team faces. So if a leader of an organization is listening to this and wants to know how to get started, what's your advice for them? There's a couple of things you can do when looking at creating a cognitive diverse team is one, you can work with assessments. We're not the only one. You can work with them and figure out, hey, what's the existing team members that we have and what are the people we're looking for that we're trying to onboard? And the people that we're onboarding, are we going to onboard somebody who's the same as us? Or would we like to create some more diversity for multiple reasons, which fits, of course, performance, better debate and discussion within the team itself.
That's that's an option, I should say, because not everybody wants to do that because it's time and investment up front. But we do see that from best practice if you incorporate that process. Um, so uh, recruit slow, fire fast, that kind of principle, it's, it's going to help you a lot because it's tricking your brain. Who do we want? How who are we recruiting? For what purposes? What is he or she going to do within our organization and in, in our team? And what's our team actually built out of? And who should we look for to create a better discussion? If, if your organization is growing very rapidly, one of the main questions we always get is, we want to capture that DNA of the organization that we have right now. We've got eight to 10 people working here. It's fantastic family feel to it. Um, what we say is, okay, try to figure out to plot where are you somewhere on that organizational life cycle, which is the S-curve that she doing uses as well. And understand that if you want to move forward in your next step in growing your business professionally, you have to recruit different people. And those don't necessarily go well through one door, so to speak. It's a Dutch saying. <laughs> it's They think differently. They will ask you impersonal questions, which you're not ready for. But it is needed to help you move forward in the next step. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the lab and how we help organizations address complex challenges, including how we use the AEM cube to maximize a team's effectiveness, visit our website at agilestrategylab.org. You can also email us through the website. Just look for the Contact Us button. See you next time.